Even less. What? I can't stop. This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient, or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Hi, friends. Welcome to We're Not Fine. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. And, you know, this is our second episode with this amazingly... Sexy. uh, Soothing lighting. Intimate. I feel more professional, and I I feel like I should talk with this tone of voice. I'm going to talk like Brenda Brenda Vaccaro. I was thinking it sounded a little constipato, really. Oh, constipato. You're all Italian today. Mastacholi, constipato. Is that a type of pasta? Um... I'm not. It's I'm a not eating it. It's a small town in the south of Italy. Constipato. Constipato. So Which you is know, the most beautiful place on the planet. So how you been? So how about a really easy segue? Okay. Yeah. Why are they already playing Christmas music? Because it's it is November fourth or fifth or sixth. I, I did notice. I did notice a lot of Christmas tree sales going on, and it's interesting how this brings up for everybody, everybody, regardless of where you grew up, regardless of what you celebrate, regardless of what your experiences religiously, etc. Boy, this holiday season is wild. It comes on really fast. It does. And yep. I don't know if it's different in different climates, but it definitely feels like it's summer, summer, summer. And then it's Halloween, which is either 60 degrees or 20 degrees in Minnesota. And then it's Christmas the next day. I think every time you bring up a word like summer, 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 you should say Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. It is. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. It's really cute, though. I do have a dear friend who literally November 1st, the tree is up, the music is going. And I do like that. She finds so much coziness in it. And yeah. I know you do too. I do. I absolutely do. I don't have my stuff up yet. But I am ready to do that for the Thanksgiving weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna plan on that. I did start putting things in the house that are winterizing. Yeah. Um and I do love this time of year. So it, you know where we're at, it does change seasons. I realize that doesn't everywhere. You know, so my daughter who lives in California, it's kind of interesting. Like how does that experience happen? But she comes home for the holidays. So she gets that white Christmas and that cold and that fireplace. Um, I restocked my wood pile yesterday. That is really cozy. It is the season that we have a lot of um, little like pixie lights and candles. We put the fire on and there's a lot of like a gathering around the fire. It's also the season in our house uh, where we puzzle. We do a Shite ton of puzzling. It's a thing. And for. Is shite a word? Yes, it's like shiitake without the key. You're really having a hard time swearing on the podcast today. Well, I just feel like if we're going places, we have to be appealing to uh, the elders, the youngers, the middles. 
Back to my I just want to be fascinating me. Fascinating puzzling. I gotta be me. Because puzzling appeals to a, a wide variety of people. I'm who not would, a puzzler. I don't have the patience for me? puzzling. I'd rather fight. <laughs> because those two are equally appealing as winter activities. <laughs> they are. There's snow fights. You're so spicy. I'm a spicer. Spicer's nicer. I grew up near Spicer, Minnesota. Spicer's nicer was their was their thing. Yeah, that um, is no pizzazz. It is kind of interesting. I encourage everybody, honestly, just kind of get in touch with like what this holiday season represents. And I will tell you, there's a lot of people I know and I work with who do not like this time of year. It doesn't have good memories for them. And if you've had a loss during this time, if you're now experiencing these holidays by yourself in a different sort of way, I will tell you, uh, one of my favorite psychiatrists used to tell clients that, you know, he did not have family around, etc. And he he would just buy a crap load of like cafe latte. It's a restaurant here that has amazing desserts. He would just bring out a lot of desserts and just eat during the holiday. And I thought, what a beautiful way to celebrate. We all have to find our own rituals and whatnot, which maybe we'll do an episode on that as the buying a whole bunch of going. desserts and eating all by himself. Yeah, he literally would put them all over his table and just keep just enjoying them. I thought it was the nicest ritual for people. You can make the meaningfulness. It doesn't have to be the the family stuff, it doesn't have to be... You are being not nice to this idea you of someone what? who wants to enjoy desserts. What I have learned, and I am going to do it right now, even though I am, I was feeling a little, like, sad about this. God, I love it. Because maybe I'm picturing something a little bit sadder, like a Bridget Jones ice cream. Yeah, you're projecting oh, onto that person what... That's Celine Dion. That's not Bridget Jones. Do you even know who Bridget Jones is? I know there's a movie with Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Yeah. Who, her portrayal of Judy Garland, fuck, that was good. Oh, anyway. I didn't see that. Whoa! Anyway, so... Yes, so what I was You are projecting. Say, that's right. And so what, I, what I've learned, and I am going to show you what this looks like in action. Ready? Yeah. I found that to be kind of sad. What I was picturing is that he's lonely and disconnected, and now he's, like, eating desserts all by himself. But what I realize is never feel sorry for anyone who doesn't feel sorry for themselves. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's really a projection. I think, honestly, I think that's the type of thing. I remember one Thanksgiving when my kids went with their mother for Thanksgiving, and I was by myself, and I'm like, oh, my God. I love all of this. Like, it was a really nice opportunity to watch movies that I wanted to watch. I took a nap. I ate food that I wanted to eat. We didn't have DoorDash at that point. So, but I don't know. I think we have to be very careful to not assume that there's a right way of celebrating the holidays. That's right. And there's also, there's FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And now there's JOMO. What is that? I'm going to let you work with that for a second. Juggling of my octopus. Try again. Jiggling, <laughs> obula, uvula. uvula. <laughs> I needed to make it an O though. Ocularia. Ocular, ocular. Okay. It's gonna shock you. Is it? It's Jewish. Joy. Joy. Jews, Jews <laughs> in favor of missing out. No, it's joy of missing out. Fuck right. Right? I love that reframe. And so it's just like sometimes you don't want it, all the pomp and circumstances and obligation, and you feel like all you want to do is make yourself a charcuterie board yep. and watch the Golden Girls. I'll tell you, this homo has Jomo. I really, really like that. You took it from a real like Neanderthal place where you were really struggling to Ooh. figure out what it was, and you really Ooh. elevated. I did. Elevated. 
the concept. So, viewers, I'm going to shift over to our topic today because we could probably chat for a long, long time about just about nothing. Um, I, hopefully that was entertaining. And everything. And everything at the same time. Um, I want to tell you, this might be one of my favorite topics. Um, and because we do relationship works, relationship work. <laughs> we do work. We do a lot of works. Me work. It brain. Um, so I, I do find myself excited about this because both in my personal life and my professional life, there's always this question, like when a relationship ends, somebody is getting blamed or somebody takes responsibility. Both parties really have a responsibility in most cases to really talk, to identify when something's going on, etc. And I have a big argument with one of my best buddies that assumes full responsibility for his marriage ending. That is BS. There were issues in that relationship that were clear to me as he describes it. Um, however, he did end up doing something that wasn't so great, um, and he is fully responsible for his behavior. She is not responsible for his behavior, and vice versa. Um, but when there's a problem in a relationship, like, I just think there's always two sides to that story, and I think unless there's a real big breach, like maybe infidelity, there are things that are entirely the responsibility of the person doing it. However, it typically does indicate that there was an issue before. Um, so this it, it Takes Two to Tango episode... I can't wait to talk about the mailbags. I can't wait to talk about like what all of this means because really both parties have a responsibility to keep the relationship healthy and happy and really be clear. And this, this is, is not working for me. Did you want to say something? Controversial. I don't know. It is. Not well, in it's my never office. controversial when you say this is how it is, but yeah. I know many people would vehemently disagree. So this is why this is a very interesting conversation. Every story is co-created. And even when our beautiful Leah Lamella came in and she talked about this domestic violence, sure. yep. horrible situation, she also, without taking ownership of the abuse, she was taking ownership of how did I become the perfect puzzle piece for this relationship? I need to do my own work. And in her case as well, and Leah, thank you so much for that amazing story. So let me be very clear. Um, if, again, somebody is doing something violently or infidelity or particularly hurtful to somebody um, or gaslighting, etc. Yeah, like they have there's a personality a disorder. You bet. There's some That is ultimately the responsibility of the person involved. We have a mailbag that's going to address that issue, by the way. Um, but again, Leah kind of owns, like, how did this happen? How did I not not have the power to say something? How did I not have the strength to, like, stand up to this guy when I noticed things were happening early on and the red flag started? So the taking its two to, to, to tango yeah. conversation is about, like, when a red flag happens, say something. One of my favorite things about going to the airport is that there's that sign that says, if you see something, say yeah. something. That's what I think about relationships. Like, if you see something not going well, if something is not working for you, you have to be able to say something and not let it go until it really gets addressed and responded to. And what my fantasy is, is that all of our listeners are listening on a walk, in their car, on a yeah. commute, doing yep. something like quiet in yeah. your own head. And if we can speak to any person that feels like they might be stuck in a situation yeah. where they do need to start owning their part yep. of either yep. the 
really toxic things that are happening or if you're putting up with some toxic behaviors that you're gaslighting yourself this is your chance to make it a part of your relationship conversation and if we can encourage you in any way to just open your eyes and decide like oh yeah. is this me or is this my partner it's never too late to have that first conversation. It's never too late. And again, I want to do the caveat as well. We've talked a little bit about abuse or violence uh, in, a, in a relationship. We want to acknowledge that, of course, if you are in that situation and you are being threatened and if you are being, you know, yeah. violently treated every time you bring up a topic, right. we're not suggesting it's easy and you should just kind of plow through it and get hit and whatnot. And I, I just want to be very clear that that's a different situation. That's, that's right. not what we're talking about. We're talking about relationships that are struggling. We're talking about without the violence, right? And so just the, the responsibility both parties have is what we're going to talk about today to identify when something's not working. That's and right. having the courageousness and the, the, the boldness to do that. So. I have a massively long first mailbag. Jason writes in. Jason, thank you for writing in. Um, and he apologizes for how long this is, but I'm going to read the whole thing. Jason uh, talks about taking a look inside and analyzing the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that will help you find the answers you need as well as the closure you seek after a breakup. He writes, about two months ago, my ex broke up with me. I'm 23, and she recently turned 27. We, we were together. Yeah. We were together for three years, and at first, things were going amazingly. I feel like she was the one, and that this was the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. After about a year and a half, the relationship started to go downhill. We began to fight way more often than, than normal. Both of us started showing red flags. Hmm. Red flags. Good ownership, both of us. And both of us were clearly becoming more unhappy with each other. I would even go as far as to say that we were both miserable together, but believed that being in a relationship was better than being single, and that's why neither of us ended it. God, that's so powerful. That's powerful, and what an, a great awareness, because that is simply not true. And it's also, I feel like so many people. I know, are, I know. Are stuck in relationships. Oof. There's a million pieces to this puzzle. Yeah. She ended the relationship rather abruptly, and when things were going well as well at least for a few weeks. She blocked me on everything, and because of the way it all ended, unexpectedly, and when things were going well, I was so confused mm -hmm. and angry at her. I needed closure, but didn't get any. Totally normal, Jason. At first, I blamed her for everything. Mm -hmm. She could have done this more. She could have made more of an effort. She's a heartless, he uses the bitch word. None of that was making I think me feel better. to say B word. <laughs> I'm sorry, keep going, Herlata. Horchata. None of that is making me feel better. I still had no closure, and being angry at her wasn't helping me to move on. I love this mm -hmm. mailbag. It was only once I started to think about what I could have done differently that the pieces of the puzzle began to fall into place. Once I started to look at all the things I did that messed things up, it began to make me feel happier. One, I was too clingy. Two, I was putting too much pressure on her to be there for me because I had nothing else going on in my life that brought me happiness. Just her. That wow. wasn't fair to her at all. You are correct, Jason. I was putting too much pressure on her. She was busy with work, and of course she was doing. She couldn't always be there to reply to my texts, and even if she was, I shouldn't have put as much pressure on her. I should have given her far more space. 
Yes. Oh. That's about compromise and negotiation, though, because I know some relationships that are very clingy, and that dynamic works for a very long time. It doesn't work forever, but, you know, it works for a while. I kept starting fights about things from her past because I have issues. That wasn't her problem. Correct. I overanalyzed everything. So do I, Jason. <laughs> Let my anxiety bring out a lot of bad behavior in me. And finally, I was too available, always ready to go over to her without question. Most importantly, I became too dependent on her for my own happiness. That wasn't good for either of us. It made me miserable because if she wasn't around, I wouldn't be happy, and she knew this. That pushed her away, and I really don't blame her at all. I would have dumped me a long time ago as well. Obviously, she had a lot to do with the relationship not working, too. I'd say it was 50-50. Yes! 50-50 with the blame. But she's not here, and I don't want to badmouth her because she's a lovely person. I'm glad you had some space. That I know. Is so emotionally mature. I love Jason. I love Jason. Yeah. I'm sure Jason has been one of our patients because has he's doing Jason so well. Has Jason done some work? With one of us, because clearly. It was probably me because he seems so well adjusted. And Actually, so because he's really excelling a little bit above that. Um, I'm pretty it's sure Doug the A team. That I hear my therapy all over this hmm. guy. It was only after I realized all of this that I got the closure I needed. I realized that she blocked me because I was too clingy. She ended it because she couldn't take the pressure of being with me anymore. And you know what? Now I feel great. I actually feel better now than I have in probably all my life. This is my client. Because for the first time ever, I'm beginning to understand that I don't need anyone else to make me happy. I don't need anyone else because I'm enough. What? I'm so excited. I feel confident now after looking all of my flaws, issues, problems, and mistakes that if I ever do get into another relationship, I won't make the same mistakes again. So please, if you're going through a breakup and need closure, look inside yourself and you are find the answer. Holy crap. Woo! Okay, whose client were you, Jason? I don't think this is one of our clients. It's not. It, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about one of our clients, no, for, okay. for real. But I kind of wish he was. Oh, my God. What a success I, story. I am so incredibly impressed. Me I too. have so many questions because usually this <laughs> kind of insight doesn't come so easily when there's been no feedback, no closure. When the relationship ended, it sounds like in a good moment. And this yeah. other person completely disappeared. And what else I find so fascinating about this is there's a differentiation that I don't think anyone could show it better than Jason between owning your own shit and shame spiraling. Because it is so easy to say, oh my God, I'm codependent. I'm too clingy. I depended on my partner for um, complete happiness. I was controlling. I was overbearing. Like, I'm a horrible person. I shouldn't be in a relationship. I'm disgusting. It's all my fault, which might be what your friend is saying. Like, it was all my fault. Yeah. And what this is, it sounds like... Jason has done a tremendous amount of work to own that things were really yucky. There wasn't a lot of insight in the moment. But after the fact, he is able to take a step back and see both people's part in why things were ugly. And instead of blaming his partner, it sounds like he doesn't want to badmouth her because he appreciates that she did what she had to do and that he completely, with empathy, understands 
why she did what she did. Yeah. Wow. It's a really ridiculously um, amazing mailbag. Thank you, Jason, again for all of it. I want to I want to just jump to that fifty fifty. Yes. Um, again, in the absence of behavior that is obviously the responsibility of one party, um, like domestic violence. Again, um, I would say without question, it, relationships are fifty fifty. And I've worked with so many relationships where there's just a really difficult time expressing yourself or identifying what's not going well. And Jason, one of my biggest curiosities for you, because you did not address it in the mailbag, is like, what were you feeling during this relationship where you were feeling dependent on her? Were you feeling that anxious attachment? Were you feeling that anxiety? Like, if she's not with me, I don't feel okay. And that's a really huge red flag to acknowledge. Like, I always tell people, you know, really take a look at, like, in in your relationships with people, if you're constantly feeling anxious, if you're constantly feeling avoidant, if you're constantly feeling any of the things that are not secure, given all the types of attachment, um, you want to address why that is. Because being in a relationship that makes you constantly feel uneasy or not fulfilled or, like, you're never quite getting what you need, and it almost sounds, Jason, like you were aware, like, I can't wait for her to get off work, or why hasn't she responded to my text, or, which I just, you know... We didn't have phones at some point that had texts. Um, not that I'm dating myself, but I am. No, but that's so interesting. Isn't it? Like, I wonder if there's more insecure attachment now that there is such availability of Oh, of course. I think response. so. I think so. I even, like, I just talked to a gentleman the just the other day yeah. that is very securely attached, totally in love with his new girlfriend. And the girlfriend, I think the closer they get, is starting to feel more and more concerned that he isn't as interested or not responding quickly enough or it used to be this and now it's this and he is very confused because his feelings haven't changed at all but the her expectations I feel like have changed. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. I agree yeah. with that. And so I think it's, uh, and this this is what the requirement is. You know, I always talk about the four C's of relationship, uh, chemistry, communication, compromise, and commitment. And, you know, if you're in a relationship where there's good chemistry, you got to keep communicating throughout the course of your relationship. If it's a lifetime relationship, uh, obviously you've made a really great choice, but you got to keep talking. you got to keep negotiating. you got to keep uh, adjusting to life's uncertainties. And we grow when, and yeah, we change. Whether it's aging, whether it's loss, whether it's uh, a job change, whether it's your body uh, illness, whatever it happens to be, whatever life circumstance comes your way, you really want to be able to adjust to that. But you have to keep talking and talking and talking. And I find so many people like I kind of um, when I work with couples at the beginning, as I've probably identified on this podcast at some point, I always have people make a list of everything that doesn't feel like it's resolved in your relationship. And this is where most people start laughing because they're like, how many notebooks can I have? And I'm like, as many as you need, which it never ends up to be that much, right? Like if you narrow it down to the things that are important to you, there could be a list of 50 things. There could be a list of 20 things. There could be a list of five things. And I think that's sometimes what couples don't realize when it feels like you're fighting a lot is that you're really probably fighting over the same five themes. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many communication. We've done some uh, podcasts on how to communicate, but it's really about owning your experience. It's about those I feel statements. And, Jason, what I wonder, again, so much about is when you started to feel like things maybe weren't going great or you were not getting what you needed or you were feeling anxious about whether she responded or not, 
Um, I think it was a chance to say, so I need to check in with you. I don't, I don't know what's going on for you during the day, but I'm, I get a little anxious when you don't immediately respond to the text, right. which would have given her a chance to say, you know what? I, I'm really busy. I don't even turn on my phone during the day. It's not um, personal. It's not personal. And, and I think we make those assumptions. I encourage people to give their partners the benefit of the doubt um, and, and try not to assume the worst. And I, know, I think that's a tough thing. What makes me, I don't know if it makes me a little sad, but it makes me curious is that I'm sure that Jason's experience minus the mind blowing 180 yeah. emotional intelligence, um, winning at life self-reflection that has happened probably due to my own therapy that I've given him. Just kidding. Is that no longer a funny joke? You're glaring at me. That's not funny because we've determined <laughs> for ethical purposes on this podcast, he is neither of our patients. But here's my question. Oh, he's mine. He's mine. <laughs> we want to claim his, we want to claim his success in life. I've got, I've got plenty of success. I don't my, need, I don't need Jason. Here's what I wonder. I'm not codependent. Go ahead. Oh, do not comment on that lady friend. I'm just going. staring at him silently and seeing what happens. This is what I wonder. Did it have to come to a breakup blocking you on every social media platform in order for this to happen? Is it possible that if she knew the work you have done that you would still be interested in trying again. I don't know. And I am a romantic. And it, I just, I'm wondering for all the couples that this resonates with you and you're fighting all the time. Is there a choice point right this second to wake the F up and say, oh my God, we're in a really toxic pattern. Let me look in the mirror and you look in the mirror, I often find, and I don't know if you would agree with me, probably not, but I'm usually right anyway, that the Enneagram is a perfect way oh for God. couples. Oh my God, stop rolling your eyes. Listen to how beautiful this is. If you guys take the Enneagram test and find out who you are, stop poking your eye out with a pen. It will help facilitate the conversation about this is my wiring, this is your wiring, this is what I look like, healthy, average, unhealthy, and this is what you look like. There's no finger pointing. You're just owning your own wiring and your own shit, and it can be this really beautiful conversation. That Doug is agreeing with me by glaring and shaking his head. Yeah, that's... I, know how to read body language and I'm clearly clearly that's, that's true yes yeah I want to talk about two different things about this as well and I'm not I, I enjoyed the Enneagram um, podcasts that we did and I I am proud to be an eight Enneagram um, is life oh please <laughs> I don't I'm not even close to that reality um, but let me tell you something two things it's our natural tendency as human beings to want to be right. I mean, we don't like being wrong. We don't like, you know, even though it's easy for some people to accept when they are, are in error, like Talia should about the Enneagram <laughs> being life, um, because there's so many different ways of living without the Enneagram. How? Because it's a very privileged thing to be able to take with a it's computer. It's free. Go to a library. I'm not even going to discuss that. Um Globally, however, let's say present. So it's our natural tendency to want 
to not take responsibility because it's hard. We have to admit that we are vulnerable and fallible. And um, depending on how your partner responds to that, like if you say, I'm sorry, I did do that. That is what's going on for me. And if the partner says, I told you, you know, that's not fun. Like, you know, we don't want those responses. And that's a whole nother issue related to communication in a relationship. I want to, so that's, that's one piece, but the bigger piece for me is, you know, you kind of talked at the beginning, Jason, about not having closure or not being able to move on or not being able to have some resolution about this. Well, you fricking got it. Nailed it. Like you nailed it. When you did your own work, you did not need someone else to validate that. I don't know if she would have or not. I don't know if all of those things that you concluded you did in this relationship are ones she would agree upon. Um, and it would be delightful. Like one of the things I always wish for people who have not been able to get closure because either their their exes will not talk to them or their exes will not communicate with them about anything. I always wish for there to be a civil conversation. Let's talk about what happened here where you can own responsibility. The, the buddy that kind of triggered this episode uh, and me wanting to do it, I so wish his ex would talk to him and just have one conversation mm -hmm. about like, this was my experience. This is what went on for me. But I don't think she trusts that he's done this work. Um, and I think there's such an amazing amount of like understanding and apologies and forgiveness that can happen uh, in that situation and helps people move on. Could you even imagine if there was an exit interview? Oh, that's it. I mean, that's really what I'm talking about. I love the idea, Talia. Me I, too. I it would, would love, be a dream. It would be a, a tremendous dream. And I, but also, you know, we help people uncouple. We help people uncouple for sure and or make decisions about it. whether to stay. Yeah, Absolutely. Discernment. Like, I think that's it. And, you know, I think when there's been, whether it's breach, and we're not talking about just exes here. Like, if there's been a breach of trust, um, and I will say that a vast majority of relationships that are referred to me, there has been infidelity or that, there has been something that... Um, cause some distrust to happen, right? And there are ways through that for sure if both partners are willing and they both have the goal to make this happen. But I think one of the things that most striking is, again, when there's a, a detachment like yours, Jason, that the person just goes away and they don't want to talk to you anymore. I think people are left like, I can't apologize. I can't let that person that I do love and loved in this relationship and was significant to my life might be a co-parent, by the way, uh, which is right. the case of my buddy. I really wish his ex-wife and co-parent would talk to him um, because they would see kind of what a beautiful person he's come uh, to be in the last few years um, and, and is able to kind of take his responsibility and come clean on everything that he did and didn't do. And one thing that could be helpful in the more explosive, um, dysregulated relationships yeah and even if you're still together and this is like very triggering for you to be talking about some of these things what can often help is a very thoughtful calm what moth seating your school no i feel like i see a white spot but it's on the oh computer. you do it's on the computer okay. um a very thoughtful written email yeah not a text because texts just invite you to respond too quickly but something even just like on paper so that it's a promise that the other person will read it and then thoughtfully respond and make sure they're responding regulated yep because this is how a lot of couples fight is that everything is so triggering and everyone's defensive and and everyone wants to blame and shame i mean it's a natural human tendency it's it it's really normal when you're hurt Hurt oftentimes results in bad behavior. Hurt results in saying things that you don't mean or say, uh, mean to say. I think the part that you said that's so beautiful, and I've, I've encouraged so many people to do it. Like if somebody 
like for example, dies that you are not resolved with. Mm. I still encourage them to write a letter. I still encourage them to write it as rawly as possible Mm. and then take a look back and edit it when you're feeling more calm. But say everything you need to say. Say it in the way you want to say it. Like I'm so effing mad at you. I'm so, you know, sick and tired of this that happened in our relationship. I'm so angry at you for hurting me or whatnot. Say it all in that way and then take an I feel statement, like start talking about it from a perspective of I feel statements and really own your part that you were unable to communicate that probably when that person was living. And there's, you know, or again, uh, if the person is not willing to talk to you, you still can write that letter. You still can express yourself in that way. And I'm not sure there is an exception to this rule. I don't believe so. But usually what lies beneath anger is so tender. Yeah. So vulnerable. Yeah, it's hurt. It really is oftentimes, I mean, hurt it manifests in anger for so many people. And I think it destroys communication. It destroys relationships. And that's why taking a step back and Talia referenced something about like being in a headspace of being able to talk. You know, I tell my patients as well, if you can just get to a three or four out of 10 in your anxiety or your intensity level, which I have not always succeeded in, I still don't sometimes. I, I was feuding with someone recently, and I got up and I said, "Dinner's over." Um, you did know, you I, flip the table? I didn't flip the table. I did grab my plate and throw away my food. Oh, that's so sad. Was it steak? It's Jomo. Uh, no, it's Jomo. Um, it's um. You and I, um, we throw <laughs> tantrums differently. I would have picked up my plate and threw it at the person. No, and taken it downstairs and like. And Watch kept eating. Show. I yes. can't. I can't eat when I'm upset. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I've lost. Yeah, I lose weight. I, yeah, it's not great. It's not a great way either. I need resolution fairly quickly, as my friends and family know. I'm so, very good at compartmentalizing and continuing to live my. Yeah, life. you've been bitter at me for some things for months, that's and you're unable I, to talk. That's why I call you Doug, but actually in my head it's spelled D U G. That's what your son calls. <laughs> That's how your son and Nadav can do no wrong. So I'm really pretty good with that. But, you know, so many pieces of this and we could go on and on and on about communication. But, Jason, I want to go back and and before we go to our next mailbag and just say I'm really proud of you for taking a step back. You do not need the other person to validate your experience once you've done your work and you own your part of it. And the greatest news about is, Jason, you did two things with that at the end. You said, I feel better because I've done my work and I feel like in control of you, you know, yourself. And that's really what it is. That we can only incredible. control ourselves, And so to have that kind of self-regulation, that self-awareness and be able to control your yourself does prepare you for the next relationship. So you should be really excited about the next one. That next wow. person is very lucky to have you wow. in their life because you've done your work. Congratulations. Holy crap. I know. It's just, yeah. it's so incredible that you took the reins over that. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, closure. Which, that's really inspiring. Yeah. So, yes, from here on out, we also suggest that every single one of you that's uncoupling do an exit interview. Uh, Let's start a movement. I love that idea. All right, friends. We have another one here. This is Taylor. And, again, we want every one of you to write in with a conundrum and a sitch, and we will pull it together into a themed episode just like this. Okay, so Taylor says, I've heard too many arguments and I'm confused now. Some say the blame is on the cheater because they should resolve issues or just leave. 
Some say it's on the cheated because they did not provide what their partner needed, and the cheater cannot be blamed for looking for it outside the relationship. Ooh, controversial. I love this question. Love it. The rest of the people tell me it's on both partners because they let communication between them break down and let themselves drift apart. I feel like he just answered the question. And episode over. Bye, guys. Just <laughs> Nope. I'd really like to have a substantiated opinion on this before I get into a relationship in case I get cheated upon. Interesting. For more context, I'm young and new to dating, and the scene itself scares me. Oh, my friend. It's scary <laughs> out there. No, come on now. I, I want to, Taylor, run, I appreciate. Run. It's almost like Taylor is saying, I anticipate getting cheated on, which is an interesting thing by itself. Do not steal my Damn pen. Um, I find myself kind of wondering, like, Taylor, why would you go into a relationship because assuming you're get cheated on. that you're going to get cheated on? Do you know what's really funny? Tell me. It doesn't actually, I'm not even sure if this has anything to do with anything. Probably not. But Leslie, my Yeah, I love Leslie. Her husband, who I adore. Yeah. This is what he says. Tell me. He says, with his like thick Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island Which accent. is very sexy. And I'm going to yep. try it right now. Yep. <clears throat> okay. He's like, there's always a rat in the relationship. And if you don't know who the rat is, you're the rat. I think that's more like Chicago gangster. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. Similar. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Ooh, they're not the same, sweetheart. We have to do a little geography test. Um, <laughs> all right, so this is what I want to say. Um, I, I get this is very simple to me in some ways. Um, the cheater is responsible for their behavior. The other person is not responsible for their behavior. Come on. Um, it's kind of like, again, someone who is violent. That's right. That person is responsible for their behavior. However... And bear with me, viewers. I have some compassion for the person who cheated. I have some compassion for the fact that they probably were not taught growing up how to communicate what they wanted and needed in an effective, adaptive way. They may not feel like they deserved to be loved or regarded about what they wanted and needed in the relationship. Um, and so cheating becomes a way that some people act out. Mm -hmm. It's a way that when they're hurt, it's a means of being self-destructive as well as destroying, obviously, the relationship and hurting other people. So what I want to know for people who cheat, and I, I always tell people, you know, if I'm working with infidelity in my office, there's a three-prong approach I take. You need to re have remorse and apologize in a very sincere way. You need to understand why you did what you did, which is what I'm talking about. Like, what is it that means that you destroy a relationship and blow it up by cheating? Um, what is that about? Like, why would you do that versus talk to your partner, talk to your spouse about what it is you want and need and what you're experiencing? Because you have the responsibility to do something that is proactive versus reactive. Um, and so I think there's a part of this that at the end of the day, the cheater, of course, is responsible, but they were hurting, right? right. Um, and so I think being able to talk about what's going on and, and believe that not only you deserve to be heard, but to communicate until you are heard. Like sometimes I find people br will bring up things and their, their spouses or partners will not respond in the way that brings resolution to it. It'll be blown off. It won't be given a, a serious kind of conclusion or solution to it. And so the continuation of that, that behavior is going to happen. And that their needs are going to continue Absolutely. to be unmet. Tell me what you think about this. Tell I me. have heard yeah. and maybe even said um, that... 
this is a sweeping generalization, but I think there's some truth to it. Yeah. That many times cheaters are insecure extroverts. Oof. What do you think? Um, I would say insecure because that's what, you know, I think that the insecurity is representative or manifests as inability to take care of yourself, inability to ask for what you want and need, inability to kind of have that self-awareness. The extrovert part I don't buy. Well, because what I'm wondering, I mean, because, okay, so the people that cheat, I think it's a combination of a handful of things. Yeah. One is you're not getting your needs met, and that might be a part of this co ownership of that story yeah you are craving external validation in a way that your partner is not giving it to you because at the beginning of every relationship people probably look at each other with admiration and lust and love in their eyes and what happens over time with increased fighting or seeing people warts and all is that look tends to go away and people who aren't being looked at with celebration, admiration, love and lust or they don't feel desired tend to want that feeling so badly that they don't even notice that they're going out there into the world. And I always say to people, like either your neon sign is sort of like open for business or it's not. And people can sense energy when you go out there into the world and you're really friendly, but you present yourself as somebody who knows how to engage as a very, as like half of a whole or yeah. a part of a relationship, or you're talking about your partner, you're talking about your relationship, you're engaging in a way that doesn't have these like sexy little come hither tentacles out there you're not you know you're not thirsty for that external validation or to be desired by that person or to be care taken care took you decide um what you're talking about is not having your vial filled right like you know in terms vial. of replenishment i kind of go vile like gas tank Gas tank, vial. What's a vial? Like a, a vase? you know, a, a, a vase? A test tube? A test tube? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Thank God the viewers know what a vial is. Um, and so I have two scientist friends. So there's a part of this that, you know, you want to fill up that reservoir. You want to be full in your relationship. You want to have that fullness that kind of lets you uh, withstand and be resilient to those times that things aren't good. But I think a lot of times cheating is not only a, a, a an effort to fill that void, but to gain affirmation, to gain validation, to in a drug type way, like if you're hunger, anger, lonely, tired, I always use the HALT method when I talk about substance abuses of any kind. Um, I think when we're feeling any of those things, we're, we're really likely to go out and try artificially to fill up that need. Which is where what Doug said comes in really strongly is at that choice point when you're feeling like your vial is empty, your yeah. test tube yeah. is empty, yeah. that is your responsibility to have a conversation. That's where communication comes in. You don't get to be empty, miserable, angry, resentful, contemptuous, and point at the other person right. waiting for them to read your mind or change yep, that's right um or make passive aggressive comments i want you we want you 
to speak your truth in a loving way so that you can actually create the marriage or relationship that you want, which might not at all be the relationship that you're in. Well, and I think one of the pieces that I just want to say, given that both of us are relationship therapists, uh, you know, we oftentimes, and I, I'm going to speak for you, Talia, I think we have a lot of times where people come in because they've not been able to communicate. Right. They don't know how to communicate. Maybe they weren't shown growing up how to do that. But I really, at the end of the day, anyone who's cheating is missing something, and it's a desperate way because it is very destructive. It's not only destructive to the person that they're, you know, cheating on, but also they're involving somebody on the outside and then they're, you know, there's a million different like levels of like what the consequence is. And it destroys their own sense it does. of self. Like and you can't yeah. sit with a hard yeah. moment without acting out and blowing something up. It makes people feel terrible about themselves yeah. and lose confidence and their ability to do hard things. So, Taylor, I would say two things. Um, do not go into a relationship assuming you'll be cheated on or there'll be that negative outcome. Um, I also, by the way, one, one little caveat I want to make. Like, I've actually talked with a number of people who I ask them if maybe an ethically non-monogamous relationship is something that works for them or a poly relationship, a polyamorous relationship, because sometimes people are not meant to be monogamous. And so some of the cheating can represent just their need for variety that they should be proactively, again, talking about. And I have worked with couples, both straight, gay, uh, non-binary, who are looking to open up their relationships and need some help navigating that and discuss, discovering kind of like not only who they are, but what they want to need. And a lot of that is about experimentation. I love that. Yeah. But I would say, you know, if you're if you're finding yourself wanting to cheat, if you're finding yourself getting close to somebody at your workplace or in your friendship group or whatnot, I would absolutely encourage everyone to talk to their partner or spouse first. Let them know what's going on. Let them know before destruction happens how you're feeling. So bottom line, Taylor, it is the responsibility of the cheater to take responsibility for their behavior. It is very likely, though, kind of a manifestation of some other problems that have been going on in the relationship that need to be addressed honestly and directly, which can be really hard. And again, if you need a therapist to do that, reach out uh, to one in your neighborhood and, 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 uh, and. area. <laughs> your zip codal. <laughs> In your zip code or not, because telehealth exists now across the across the borders and wow, miles. That was a real strong ending. High five. <sighs> I'm not doing that. I think you're Thunk. being sarcastic. <laughs> Taylor and Jason, we're so incredibly grateful. Thank you for reaching out to us. We can't get enough of these mailbags. And this really is one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Like I love the idea of like promoting communication because we oftentimes are not shown growing up how to communicate what we want and need. And it's really very simple. Once you get it, um, I always tell people, you know, if you're in therapy and it works, uh, your life will never be the same. And you'll never have a day of your life that you can't be honest and open about who you are, what you want and what you need. So I encourage everybody to be on that growth experience. Mm. And I feel fortunate to have done my own work. So I live every day, every day of my life that way. I, I feel fortunate that you've done your work, too. Why, thank you, because then you don't have to take care of it. Have you done your work? Every day. <laughs> every day of my life. Wow. Here it is, folks. My teeth match your glasses. I mean, I do feel like we look spectacular in our new lighting. It's very distracting. Like, look at my highlights. <laughs> Except because I was out in the sun, I have a little bit of a tomato, and I apologize to my dermatologist. I'd call it a little more of a rosy glow. Friends. Okay, okay we'll do that. We hope you got some value out of today, and um, 
God, we haven't done a mailbag in so long. What a joy. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I sometimes miss just talking yeah. about these issues. So please keep the mailbags coming. I love them. We love all of our guests. We've had just some spectacular opportunities to meet with people who are our guests. But boy, do I love just chatting Me with too. you. Me about these too. issues. Did you just say with you? With no, I said <laughs> with you. <laughs> like you. Only with you. If you love us, which we know you secretly do. Oh. Share us. Share this episode with someone that you think needs to hear about this and like and subscribe and leave a comment and what else? And we have a website. That Ooh. has just been redesigned to allow you to put your email in and subscribe to us and get information about upcoming events and things that you need to know about the We're Not Fine podcast. And it's two co-hosts, um, Horchata. And um, please, 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 that's where you can also submit questions. And I am so incredibly excited by the people I met. I just was in Key West, and one of uh, one of my dudes that I met at the at the pool wrote to uh, the We're Not Fine podcast Which within like about five me. minutes. That right. shouldn't. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of missing it. My bearded friend. Um, I'm collecting all of the secrets that I've learned about Doug. While I travel, because they, they all comment right away, which I'm just really cool grateful side. for. But if you have any relationship questions, if you have anything that's causing you concern in your life and you're challenged by, please, please, please write to us. You can do it anonymously. We, we obviously are not your therapists, but obviously we have a lot to say, and we'd be glad to share our, our observations with you, and hopefully they're helpful. And find us on social media. Douglas L. Jensen yep. with an E-N, D.R. Talia Jackson, yep. We're Not Fine Pod, and YouTube so that you can see our new camera, the new lighting. Yeah. Like, we've never looked better. We're at our prime. Wow, you are just thirsty for affirmation today. And remember, we're not fine. But <laughs> at least... <laughs> God damn it. Okay, give me a second. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But at least your neon sign of thirst is not flashing like Doug's. That's really rude and harsh and judgmental and shaming. You're welcome. Thank I've you. Done my work. We love Thank you, you guys. Love you too. Take <laughs> you care. Love you too. Who do you really love? I think you love me. You love you the most. Oh, shit. <laughs>